<laughs> Hello, Emerging Writers. Welcome. We're so glad that you could join us today as we sip tea and discover our inner storytellers. My name is Stephanie, and I'm joined by my best friend Kayla and my sister Jordan. Hello. Hi. We'll be taking a bit of a break from our usual deep dives into writing for today's tea time topic, writing flawed characters. Flaws make a character believable and relatable. They help otherwise strong characters break away from becoming Mary Sue's and Gary Stu's. Flaws can come in all shapes and sizes and enforce varying degrees of force on the character and the plot. For example, there's Hermione Granger from Harry Potter, who's a really strong, likable character, but has quite a bit of flaws flaws with the way that she relies on logic and then has a bit of a temper too. Yeah, I think that temper levels her out and makes her a little bit more intimidating and kind of relatable because I can understand those feelings even if I wouldn't act on them. Or she is in magic school and a witch but doesn't believe in the validity of divination. Like that amount of logic and structure and reason. It's really interesting to see like, no, I will not believe this. This is bogus. <laughs> yeah, in a world where she definitely shouldn't believe any of the stuff because it's so different from what she grew up with. It's interesting. But I think it makes her relatable and lovable because she does have strong opinions about things. Hermione is a really relatable and lovable character because her flaws are so balanced with positives. And it's important in a world filled with magic and powers and witchcraft and all of that to have characters that feel balanced and grounded in reality. And I think Harry Potter does that well with a variety of characters, but I feel particularly strongly towards Hermione. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of other magical worlds where characters uh, ground it in reality, but in much more negative ways. And one that comes to mind is Sarah from the movie The Labyrinth, mm -hmm. because boy, her whininess does make her feel like a real teenager, but it is hard to watch. It's not fair. Yeah, she just whines the whole time. And I get that it's supposed to kind of point out, I don't know, how immature she is at the beginning because she complains less and is more proactive by the end. Um, but it, it is very irritating to listen to, especially at the very beginning of the movie where it's just constantly whining about how things aren't fair. Yeah, I think if you're going to give someone that kind of a character flaw, they definitely need to have some positives because otherwise you just cringe and don't want to, you want to skip their parts and not read them. So you can go too far with a character flaw. Yeah, and if I like Kayla mentioned earlier, they need to be kind of balanced. If you have a character that's just exclusively flawed or exclusively perfect, there's this huge disconnect that happens between them and the audience because now it's really hard to relate to them. It's either really hard to find things that are likable about them and so you aren't really want wanting to interact with this character or, like see the world through their eyes or you can't find anything to relate to them. So like, it, it's really hard to get into their story and feel the things that they feel. Yeah, if they never have a negative emotion or a negative experience, there's nothing that we can tie to and see how they overcame and connect that with our own life and our mm -hmm. own struggles. I think there's something really admirable about watching characters mess up and fail and then to um, succeed anyways, in spite of whatever flaw made them mess up and fail. Mm -hmm. So I won't name names, but I 
have heard from someone about this story that they're writing and how one of their main characters, like the most prominent of the main characters, is someone who is very intelligent, which is an admirable characteristic. People like characters that are competent and knowledgeable and stuff like that. But this character knows that he's intelligent and is very condescending and is rude to everyone. And we were talking about how that was supposed to be like his character flaw so that he has a flaw, which first of all, don't give characters flaws so that they have flaws. It needs to be inherent to their makeup as a character. We as humans don't have flaws for the sake of having flaws. We have flaws because we've developed them or we were born with them, depending on what it is, whether it's a limitation or a developed flaw or something like that. Um, but two, I was asking what was going to happen in the story so that this character grew from that. And they're like, well, that's not the point. The character doesn't grow from it. He just gets reaffirmed because he's right all the time. And so he never learns. I'm oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's really ostracizing. Like it pushes away the audience because now this character is just annoying and no one likes people who are condescending in their intelligence. There are times where that has worked for characters. Like House is one of those characters. He's incredibly intelligent. He's always proven right. But they also made him, they gave him weaknesses. They yeah, gave him a, a drug addict. Yeah, they, he was a drug addict. He like, his leg is broken useless it's not like broken i think he also struggled knowing that he came off as a jerk and struggled with whether he should maintain that personality in order to get things done and he occasionally had to try and soften it down for someone he cared about to stop pushing them away and it did actively hinder his relationships with characters on the show yeah it was negative a lot of times so it wasn't just oh he gets rewarded for being a jerk Mm -hmm. and his strength, his cleverness was genuinely clever. I was always impressed by the logic and loops that the show wove into the plot. And so it's really important for that to be believable. It's so easy for a character's flaw to be arrogance or or like being intelligent and knowing it, but then to not actually seem that clever because it's not written quite clever enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One show that that really struck out to me, and it's a similar character's house, is Sherlock's BBC. BBC's Sherlock. <laughs> he, I really liked the first season, but slowly it devolved into where his cleverness didn't feel that clever. It felt like very contrived plot points. And then he was just a jerk. And so you just have someone very arrogant. And it was unpleasant to watch the later seasons. They took so long to come out that I never got to them because <laughs> I lost interest in the show and didn't care anymore. It's unfortunate, but it happens. It does. But yeah, that's also a limitation with writing and creating work is that if you're hinging it on cliffhangers and then you don't actually come through with it, people will give up an irritation. Whereas there's definitely some books and some series that I've waited a long time for but it didn't end in like an unsatisfying cliffhanger. And so I felt good about it. And when the next season came out or the next book came out, I picked it back up because I had a good feel feeling from the past one. Yeah, because you get connected to those characters and you can't wait to like come back to the world that they're in. 
Yeah, and if they're a overly flawed, not likable character, you're really not going to care what happens to them, and you're not going to be invested enough to wait and put in time and sitting and waiting for a new season or a new book to come out. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure to round them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there needs to be a balance between their flaws and their strengths. They can't be too much one or the other, or at least there needs to be a reasonable amount of one or the other. There are certain stories where characters we've mentioned before, the the Gary Stews, the supermen of storytelling, where their biggest flaw is, oh, they're just too nice. They can't look away from evil doing. They they have to go save someone. They can't not. And they're like, okay, I guess you tried to add something in, sort of. Yeah, one place they did kind of a good job with that was on Captain America. I think it was a Captain America. The um, Civil War. Yeah, Captain America Civil War. It had where... so much Tony Stark in it that it seemed like another Iron Man. I couldn't tell for a second. You know, because Steve Rogers was always painted as this guy who would never oppose, like, his duty and he needed to fix everything. But he was willing to go against that for a friendship. And I think that was something that really endeared his character to me. Because he was willing to go against the world, basically. A huge group of people telling him... We need to do this thing in order to go and save his friend. It was like Samwise Gimji levels of loyalty in that. <laughs> yes. That right there. It was. <laughs> I think a well done friendship and like the affection between the two friends can make me forgive so many flaws and just immoral things that the two characters will do. Well, those relationships help you as a, a writer point out the like antitheses of those flaws, like what is actually good about that character and why they're worth being around. Like Sherlock Holmes would be unbearable if he didn't have Watson. Yeah. Yeah. To be obnoxious. You have to have that person who loves him to level it out Mm -hmm. and show his good qualities occasionally. And that every man for you to relate to. Yes. As well. Because you can't relate to Sherlock. He's too far above us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Above us mere mortals. I think another story with an, with relationships that made the flaws bearable and believable is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from Narnia. Mm-hmm. And those four siblings, their dynamic really made it understood why um, Edmund was an outcast and then betrayed them. And, but the love shared with them and how they brought him back in, I felt like it was a really interesting family ties, especially with like children and teenagers making mistakes. And then still coming back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think if you're going to have someone that does a betrayal, you need to find a way to tie them back in and draw on some real life topics to do that. Otherwise, it seems very disingenuous. Yeah, betrayal flaws and like character progressions, decisions um, can be very alienating and can be huge turnoffs people like I can't stand that character anymore and I'll never look at them again and they're the worst. I agree. Betrayals are really hard for me to get past when as a reader and show watcher and all of that but it can be done and you just have to have the right tone with how intense the betrayal was and how the apology and remorse and coming back is. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that book we read? Um, the Court of Thorns and Roses? Yes. So In that, the first book was very much themed one way with a character pairing that seemed like it was lovely and was going to go the whole direction. 
But in the second book, there was a betrayal, but it didn't come across as inherently negative. It really revealed um, some flaws of the character you loved in the first book. And it was a really interesting take on turning your expectations on your head. The A Court of Thor- Thorn and Roses is one of my favorite fantasy romance books because it felt like all of the characters were so real and flawed and the way they loved was also flawed. And so, yeah, that betrayal that turned into the uh, the second book covered a lot of it made a lot more sense and it felt like all of the characters were real and trying and they were just messing up so much mm-hmm. yeah but it was very engaging and left you still interested in the characters even though they were doing things you wouldn't have foreseen in the first book there was reasons and you got more of the story because of those character flaws that came out and you realized oh it's not just this perfect little fairy tale story that's going to be all neat and clean there's a lot of crazy things going on in the background here so i think you can use flaws like especially if they're revealed later to enhance the excitement of your story and the intrigue Mm -hmm. flaws should be used as like a hindrance on the main character to complete their end game goal they should be like an integrated aspect of the character that holds them back from being who they need to be by the end of the book So a lot of times flaws are things that they'll end up having to work on to overcome. They may not have completed that journey by the end of the story, but they need to have made some progress. Um, But when you're starting to bring up those flaws in the character, you have to be really careful as a writer, depending on what those flaws are and how you try to bring them up. Like sometimes, and in general, this whole descriptive style is shouldn't be used but there's a lot of times where at the beginning of a story especially if the protagonist is female and if i've noticed if this is written in the first person this seems to be like a crutch that's used a lot by writers is to have your character start describing themselves and in that their insecurities their flaws anything that's wrong with them and you have them like fixate on that and then they'll fixate on that throughout the book. And yeah. low self-esteem is in itself a flaw that can be worked through, which would make sense for them to be like fixating on things about themselves that they don't like, because that's how what low self-esteem does to you and like mentally affects you. But a lot of times it's, oh, well, I'm not pretty or I have a scar or I have this like bad temper or whatever and they just constantly remind you by telling you about it instead of being shown that this is a problem they have. I'm just so plain and ordinary with my tall thin body and pale skin and brown hair and I'm not like all the other girls. (laughs) I've read so many things where the physical flaw not only shouldn't be what they focus on and tell you so much but it's something that isn't actually a flaw that's a noticeable detriment to the character in the culture they live in. It's just this small minor thing to make them slightly ordinary. A lot of times those characters end up being the ones who end up having a lot of people falling for them. They're liked by everyone. Um, They're really good at everything. They end up being the Mary Sue characters. And that at the beginning, that beginning scene was them trying to point out like, hey, look, I'm relatable because I have insecurities. Don't we all? Yeah, but they mishandle it and don't go deeper to a flaw that can actually be useful and move the story. Mm -hmm. And they'll give 
a lot of times they'll give a reason for the character to be self-conscious about whatever aspect. Like, I was made fun of for my really long nose all throughout life. And you're like, but you just told us all of that stuff. We haven't seen anyone make fun of you for it throughout the book. No one, no one brings it up throughout the remainder of the book, pretty much ever. If you're gonna just tell the reader what's happening, it's so much stronger if another character says it. Mm -hmm. Instead of the internal monologue of the main character, if another character points out how ugly their nose is, that's going to stick a hundred times more than if you just constantly mention it when you conveniently walk by a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to bring that up, have them interact with someone and then someone makes fun of them and then they're like, oh, and they're really embarrassed and ashamed and they're like, everyone keeps saying this about me. And maybe then you can start delving into the like the turmoil of their emotions towards that and maybe work from there yeah i think i like i don't really like physical flaws being a main unless it's something like a disability that you write well and explain the difficulties of but i don't like oh my face wasn't very attractive that's not really it seems very surface level and not all that relatable to me Mm -hmm. i think there can be physical things that are that um put your character in a position where it's an a a hindrance they have to overcome or where society views it as a hindrance they have to overcome that um like a disability is something that the characters around your character could look down on it and they have to learn how to deal with it and overcome it and embrace that part of themselves but it's not really a flaw in the same way that like a personality or an active trait chosen is yeah a limitation that they have and they may or may not depending on what that limitation is need to overcome it or just learn to live with it Or maybe it's just a constant thing that's going to cause conflict for the story because maybe they can't fulfill everything they want to because they have this thing and they just need to learn to accept that or find other ways to fulfill things. But those like physical flaws that are used as reason for this person being relatable are just superficial I was going to say super superficial and then I just weirdly (laughs) said superficial just so you guys know that that's what that was about. I think personality flaws or bad habits or addictions or like financial troubles or gambling or things like that are so much more interesting to write and it can be trickier, but it's a lot, it's worth it because the character is better to read and more interesting and their problems feel more substantial than, oh no, my nose isn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, like imagine how much less interesting Tony Stark's character would be if he was just, I don't know, people didn't like the shape of his facial hair or something instead of him being an egotistical alcoholic. I mean, his facial hair looks pretty cool, though. I couldn't think of anything bad, so. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man's my least favorite character in Marvel. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Because he's basically perfect, except he's a jerk. But he's a jerk with money, so it doesn't impact his life very much. That I feel like true. that's realistic to the real world, though. <laughs> I mean, it can be realistic, but it doesn't mean I want to watch a jerk with money fly around in a metal suit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's a character I wish they would have done more character growth on. Yeah, he definitely started He started out worse, to be sure, where he didn't care about anyone but himself, but that was pretty much as far as his development went. Now he just cares slightly more about other people. Yeah, but, but he, he still d- makes stupid decisions based on that, and 
hasn't learned to like include people in his plans. Yeah, and he's still very focused on his himself. I guess by the end, he makes some selfless decisions. But it, it didn't feel like there was character growth and progression. It just felt like, here's a jump. Okay, we're going to be here on this level pretty much the whole way. And then there's a little bit of a jump and then we're done. Yeah, well, I mean, as a whole, Marvel does not do a good job. Well, Marvel Cinematic Studios. I don't know about comics, but they don't they do don't. a good job with character development. They're, they comics. make interesting uh, plots and it's interesting, but their relationships, their character arcs are not what I watch their movies for. That's what I have fan fiction for. I should say, um, I feel like you don't have to do everything amazing because a Marvel movie is fun to watch, even though it doesn't have the best character growth. You just have to really choose what part of writing you're going to dive deep into in your novel and tackle that and then just do the rest as well as you can. Because there's definitely pieces that are heavier in character growth than plot that I have a lot of take a lot of value from and enjoy very much Mm -hmm. or vice versa and so you don't have to do everything amazing but it definitely helps to at least pay some attention to it yeah that's definitely true Mm -hmm. um like for example to me turtles all the way down by john green is one of my favorite books that's come out recently and the plot's just kind of there But there's a lot of interesting character growth and flaws and relationships. And the main character has OCD and her mental health is a struggle that she has to deal with through the entirety of the book. And it impacts her growing romantic relationship and it impacts her relationship with her best friend. And so that was a really interesting flaw to me because you could see the ripple effect of it throughout everything that happened in the book. Mm -hmm. And yet she was still a lovable character you were trying to root for. Yeah. I think committing to one of those things and carrying it through the book is important too. Not just showing like a flaw at the beginning and saying, oh, they do this, but then never touching on it again. If you're going to pick a flaw or several, you need to actually think about how they're going to affect the character and use them in all their situations because that will shape your reactions and make your character a lot more honest and true and relatable if you maintain it because you that's how you write a story is by getting your specific character through whatever's happening and for them to be relatable and genuine you really need to stick with it and make sure that you are doing justice to their character and their issues that they have and calling on those and not just forgetting them because you want to write something else. Yeah. But in writing characters that have the flaws, you do need to be careful because some flaws take it too far and end up alienating people from your stories. Yeah. Um, I've read a few stories where there have been characters who are just generally abusive, like they'll abuse children or they'll abuse animals, and then you're expected to still like this character enough to continue reading them like I don't think they've ever been the main character but they've been substantial enough within the story that you have to still deal with them consistently and I don't know that just sort of abusive behavior is it's never okay and if it's ever treated as like oh it's just a side thing that's he has this problem but he's not all bad no he's all bad or she yeah I really agree abusive just malicious characters aren't something that I want to grapple with unless they're being villainized. Mm-hmm. I also think this can be in a lot of like action or adventure stories yeah. where a, the main character or the side character 
is seeking out some sort of violence to like stop a bad guy or as a means to an end but then it turns really malicious and torturous and just graphically explicitly awful horrific violence that's more than you need to like subdue or murder someone that to me is a point where i really have to stop because if it's not treated like the character having some sort of break where it's going too far i don't want to read about a hero or a good guy who like hurts people so intentionally and cruelly even if it's not going that far um like you said with the the hero stuff there's been a few times that i've come across at least where the like sidekick or best friend or whatever is treated really poorly like he's below the hero or she and they're subhuman or something and the protagonist just treats them really really poorly and they're just really mean to them and it's just a huge turnoff i can't i can't get into the characters that are like that i feel like it's a cheap way to write a partnership or a friendship because if you're going to be doing something with someone else you need to have some level of trust and respect mm-hmm. you can't just use someone and then step on them the Mm -hmm. entire time and not value them in any way. One that comes to mind that I read in high school, so I'm not sure if the quality's there, but in high school I really loved the Vampire Academy book series. And then in one of the later series, the main character cheats on her current partner and just kind of disregards him for the whole book and that well, disregards him and ignores him and doesn't make time for him and then cheats on him and breaks up with him to be with her one true love soulmate. And mm. and I just kind of read that and I'm like, how is this happening? And she gets her happy ever after. I think it's a book or two later, the official happy ever after. But uh, she ends up with the one true soulmate and she gets the happy ending and i'm just like oh this is not the message that i want to read yeah that's not teaching good lessons to people yeah i feel like anytime you're glorifying bad behavior it's one thing to write bad behavior in a story and acknowledge that it's not okay and it's another thing to glorify it and Mm -hmm. say that it's perfectly fine to do these awful things you're not going to have any repercussions and look you get rewarded I will say, even when you're not glorifying the bad behavior, if you're like, this was a bad thing I did, and or like another character reprimands you, which I think was the case in the vampire book, uh, the universe and the like flow of the world in the book rewards you for it. Yeah. You know, even if you're like, this was a bad thing I did, and then good things happen and you get the guy and you don't lose your job or your standing or your friends or your anything. Like, mm-hmm. you're the writer, you're crafting the story, and there's no universal consequences for this terrible thing. That sends a pretty terrible message. I agree. You shouldn't just give people a slap on the wrist for bad behavior. Like, that's not going to help them learn or get to their best self if they have no real consequences. Yeah. And life does have consequences. It doesn't teach you that you can't just do whatever you want, especially for books that children are reading. I think it's important to write them well. Yeah, I feel like if your audience is younger than like 25, you should be sending pretty good messages and having like strong consequences to the bad things that happen. I mean, really, even if it's a book for adults, I I don't think you should be minimizing the damage that harmful behavior does to the world and to the people around you. People already want to forget that their poor decisions affect more than just themselves. So I think it's really harmful to solidify that message in the media that we consume. 
Yeah. Because then, because then you're used to not holding yourself accountable and your entertainment doesn't have that either. And it just goes even farther in solidifying that mindset in yourself. I think the flaws are really important, but equally important is the world that you're writing to acknowledge those flaws as flaws. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that a lot um, in this episode of the podcast. But um, I just think it's so important for the world in your book to have consequences and for those flaws to trigger some of the consequences. Yeah, and part of what makes some of those like deal breaker flaws so bad is how poorly they're integrated into the world and how much it doesn't make sense with everything that's going on and that the world doesn't react to it correctly, like you were saying, how there's no consequences for things. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. Um, I guess we'll pass the question on to all of you now. What flaws have you given your characters in your stories? Are there any deal breaker flaws that you can't stand? Join us on our Facebook group, Writers Emerging, or follow us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter. Links in the description. We look forward to seeing you next week.